It is good to be here. But then at my age, it's good to be anywhere. Somebody says, good to see you. It's good to be seen. A year, a little over a year ago, I wasn't doing so well. I, I couldn't even stand up on my own. I couldn't walk. And I thought I was on my way to heaven. And the Lord says, I'm going to leave you stay just, just that, so that you know. He said, I'm just going to let you stay until the rapture. I said, that'd be fine. <laughs> I really didn't think I would ever feel as good as I do right now. I, I feel great. I thank the Lord for all he's done for me. So I thank the Lord for all the people that have been praying for me for the last couple of years, because I sure have needed it. And uh, my wife and I, on Thursday, we celebrated our 63rd anniversary, and she's here somewhere. I don't know where she is. Well, maybe she left. No, she's sitting way back here in the back. And so, um, like I said, the Lord's been good to us. I... um having my motorhome. We've been on the road since January. We went all the way from Tampa, all the way across the Arizona, up into Denver, across to Minnesota, now here. And then I'll be going to Israel after the Grace Conference. And then I'll be going to New York and then all the way back down into Florida. So I should get home maybe around um, September, hopefully. But you know, when you're when, when you, you got to do all of this before you get old, because when you get old, you can't, you won't be able to go. So I enjoy serving the Lord. And so God's been good to me. But today I wanted to talk to you about a subject called the three worlds. In my motor home, I have a, a, a box. It's got a lid on it. I got three balls in there. One's like a basketball and another one. And then another one. The one represents the earth One that's gold, it represents heaven. The other one is black and it represents hell. So if you can keep these three worlds in perspective, you'll be surprised how it can help you throughout your whole Christian life. Understand who you are, where you came from, what you're doing, where you're going, and some of the things that we ought to be doing while we're here. And so I hope that this will be a blessing to you. So anyway, these three worlds, one, the earth, one heaven, and one, of course, is a place called hell. Now, if we believe what the Bible says, the Bible speaks about all three of these worlds. We just happen to live on planet Earth. So we'll start off with that one. And then we'll move through to the next one. And then we'll finish up with the last one. I hope that when you finish up with the last one, that's not where you finish up at. I'm hoping that all of you have uh, trusted Christ as your Savior. You know you have eternal life. But there may be somebody here who never trusted Christ as their Savior. Now, I was just down there in, I say, in Tampa. I preached the sermon. And so after the service, everybody was going to come out to the motorhome and and have a picture taken, them pushing the motorhome out of the churchyard. But um, they just stood in front of it. They didn't push it out. But when I gave the invitation that day... On my left, we had several other people to trust the Lord. But on my left, <clears throat> said a big old guy, huge fella, head and shoulders above everybody. But I noticed that he raised his hand too. So I just said, God bless you, God bless you. And I forget about it because I don't know who they are. We went out there by the motorhome, getting ready to take our picture. And so we took a couple pictures and then he stood beside me, this great big fella, the one that was in the service. He's standing there and he's way up there. I said, how, how tall are you? He says, I'm six foot seven. 
I says, that's huge. And he was, he was built like, you know, he was chiseled out of granite, built kind of like myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> Big guy. And I says, um, what, do, what do you do? He says, I'm an offensive lineman for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I said, you're the guy who's supposed to be protecting Tom Brady? He laughed. But he says, I've been going to different churches, and I've never understood the gospel until this morning. So when you gave the gospel, he trusted Christ as Savior. See, to me, that's the greatest joy in the world is knowing there's going to be somebody in heaven because they heard the gospel through your lips. And everybody can do it, but you've got to have the right perspective. You've got to see things the way they really are. So today I'm talking about the real world, where we really are. So understanding that the Bible teaches that God created the heavens and the earth. Now we say this, we say we believe this. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I believe that. And if I can believe that much, everything else can make a lot of sense. Because I can believe that he's going to tell me the truth. Because I know the world is here. And I didn't do it. Did you do it? Well, if you didn't do it and I didn't do it, somebody had to do it because something has to make something because nothing can create nothing. But anyway, evolutionists don't understand that. Now, it is true. There used to be a song years ago, God has the whole world in his hands. You remember that? He got the whole world in his hands. Well, he really does. And so God literally holds this whole world in his hands. It's not like God doesn't know what's going on, or he created the heavens and the earth, and then he took a vacation, and he just left it up to us to do whatever we want to do. God has not forsaken the world. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows everything. He knows everything that could be possible, that could have been done. If you had done this or you had done that, God knows all the angles, all the decisions that everybody could have made and what the results would have been. It's enough to blow your mind. But he says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, the cattle over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God made the world, but he put man in charge and said he was to have dominion. And it says, God created man in his own image and the image of God created he him. Now get this statement because many people don't know this is in the Bible evidently. The Bible is our source of authority. And the Bible says that God made male and female. And that's the only two kind he made. And if some people don't know what they are, they need to get a mirror and take a look, good look. And if they don't know what they are, they've got a problem, all right. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Man and a woman, be fruitful, multiply. I think that limits it to a certain degree, don't you? Anyway, he says, and God saw everything that he had made and said, it was very good. So God created the earth. He said that it was good. So God created nothing but good. But we know that after a while, something went wrong. Something went very wrong. You see, and the Lord God commanded the man says, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So God told them the freedom that they had. Now, if God ever made a decision that was wrong, if, 
It was that he gave man a free will. He gave him the ability to choose, but he'd have to suffer the consequences of his bad decisions. Now, as you and I look at the world today, we can see there's been a lot of bad decisions. The world is in a mess. We can see that the day of the rapture is at hand. We can see that the tribulation is right ahead of us. Isn't that exciting? I can't hardly wait to the next day to wake up and say, what's going to happen today? I am not in a time of mourning. I am not in grief. I am excited because I believe that I live at the most exciting time of all human history right now. The reason I'm so glad I'm living now instead of then in the past, I'd be dead. (laughs) I like living. (laughs) I kind of have a liking for it. Now, man is filled with curiosity. Wouldn't it be neat if God could just kind of take the veil and rip open the the heavens and pull the curtains back and let us see there's another world that we cannot see. The world in which we live, which is visible. These are the evidences, the proof that there is a God behind the scenes. But there's another world that God has made. It's one where he lived, but we're not talking about that so much today. We're talking about the one that we can see the evidence that God has given to us. Now, curiosity may kill the cat, but curiosity plunged the whole human race into chaos. And so the Bible says the foolishness of this world is foolishness with God because the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of the world is a lot of difference. God says the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's eyes. So many people want to go to all the colleges and universities and so forth, institutions of learning, and they learn all the wisdom of the world and come out just as dumb as when they went in because the wisdom of God is superior. Those who get a Bible college education, those who go to Sunday school and go to church are learning deep truths, spiritual truths that can only be known because there's a God in heaven who revealed them to us so that we can know these things. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world under our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For if they were so smart when Jesus was here, if they were so wise, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. But it just shows you where their thinking is. And there's many people who pride themselves in all the degrees that they got after their names. But if you don't know God you don't know anything. I know God. I don't just know about God. He's more real to me than the clothes I've got on my back. And they're real. But God is very real. And I don't just know about him. I know him. I've walked with him. And he's been very good to me. But the Bible says, as it is written, I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath entered through the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit, yea, the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So God says there's things that we can know, but it has to come because of the knowledge that's in this book. So the Bible is God's love letter to his children. And when you stop and think about the most wonderful story in all the world, it's right here in this Bible. Now think for a moment. 
Just like I told that guy that trusts the Lord on that last day right before I left Calvary Community Church. Isn't it true that you've heard almost all your life that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for all the sins of the world? So you've heard that. But think about that. If he paid for all the sins of the world, mine, yours, and everybody's, why, why should I have to go to hell and pay for my sins if he already paid for my sins? Well, why did he pay for my sins? Because he didn't want me to. Why did he pay for yours? Because he didn't want you to. So what he did is he loved you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. Think about that. God who created this world we're talking about loved you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. You are of more value than the, all the wealth in this world. That's pretty good love. He came back from the dead. And the only thing he wanted you to do or me to do was to believe he did it for us. So when I believed he did it for me, he put that payment he made to my account. So the reason I can't go to hell today, (laughs) I don't have any sins to pay for. Christ paid for my sins. The reason I can't go to hell in the future, he paid for those too. So all he wanted me to do is to believe he did it for me. And you can't know you're going there, heaven, until you know you can't go there, hell. So the question is, is do you know for sure you're going to heaven when you die? And you can know if you'll believe that when Christ died, he died for you. He paid for your sins. So you're not going to try to earn something you have already got. Eternal life. That's the best news. So God's word reveals all these things to us. He says in Genesis 3, 6, when the woman saw the tree was good for food, which is the lust of the flesh, pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eyes, and a tree desired to make one wise, the pride of life. See, those are the same three things that tells us in the book of 1 John chapter 2. Love not the world. So many people who are born into this world fall into this trap. You see, they let the lust of the flesh determine what they do. And that becomes their guide. Or the lust of the eyes, what they see, what they want to get. So what is what you want to have, what you want to be? And that's the pride of life. You want to be the greatest at something. And you'll be surprised how that the devil can just dangle these little trinkets in front of us and we take them all. And yet he offered the same thing to Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter four. And Jesus answered with scripture. You don't know what you're talking about, devil. I am the son of God. I can create the bread. I am going to rule and I don't need you. She took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. So remember the sequence here. The woman took the fruit. She gave it to the man. You hear me so far? I'm not going to dwell here long. But I do want you to know that Adam was not deceived. It says so in the book of Romans in chapter 5. He wasn't deceived. But evidently, the Bible says he loved Eve the way Jesus loved us. He would rather die than live without her. I think it's amazing, but he still sinned. He made a decision. And the world has fell apart since then because of it. 
And God saw, because of the sin that entered into the world, that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was evil continually. Kind of like where we are today in our world. This was the result of allowing man to choose, to make decisions, but God didn't want you to be a robot. He wanted to dangle you on some string and make you do whatever he wants you to do. You see, God is love, and God is love means he has to have an object to love, but also he wants to be loved, so he wants the person to love him back. But if he makes you where you don't have a capacity to differ with it or disagree with it or to choose something else, then you had no choice. So God has seen fit to give us choices and let you suffer the consequences of obedience or disobedience of your good choices and your bad choices. The world today is suffering the consequences of their evil decisions. Don't blame God because the mess that the world is in. God didn't do that. We did that. Man did that because he didn't listen to what God has to say. So God said, I'm going to destroy this world. And so that's what he's doing. He destroyed the earth. And he says, I will destroy man whom I have created. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And God looked upon the earth and said, behold, it was corrupt. All flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. You remember in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. (laughs) And after we trust Christ as our Savior, is it still possible for God's sheep to go astray? Here you are today. Can you honestly say that you want to obey God in every area of your life? Or do you find yourself at times going astray? Because you have choices. And you can choose after you trust Christ as your Savior to obey or disobey, but you're still his child. But if you disobey, there's consequences. God teaches that throughout his word. So there was a flood. And because of the flood, it started over again with eight people. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, we have a promise from God again. But this time, it's not going to be a flood. It's going to be a fire. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, the earth standing out of the water, in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. We are now living at a time where man is capable of destroying man from the face of the earth. You see, we have a bunch of little nuts around the world and all they got to do is mash one little button and cause a nuclear reaction. And wouldn't it be something if there's someday a mushroom cloud over some city in America or around the world and the chain reaction that could happen? The Bible describes such a thing in the book of Revelation. We ain't got time for all that, but it's there. But the Bible says these things are going to happen. So he makes this statement. He says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants every person to believe the promises of God, to change their mind and realize death is sure, eternity's long, and hell is hot, and you need to change your mind and put your confidence and your trust in what Jesus Christ said about what he did. What did he do? Paid for my sins. What did he say? Believe it and you can have everlasting life. 
and know that you're going to heaven when you die. So these things are taught in the word of God. And he says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. You think Al Gore's going to have a problem with global warming? <laughs> the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So you and I are supposed to understand that the world in which we live on is going to be burnt up. It's going to be destroyed. And because of that, what kind of people should we be? Is this world all there is or is there more to come? This is just a staging area. The Bible calls it prepare to meet thy God. So are you prepared to meet God? Sin, then all these things shall be dissolved. What kind of a person should you and I be if this is true? So we know that the world is going to be destroyed. It's going to be destroyed by fire. Everything here is going to be gone. We're not going to lay, stay here forever. We are only temporary on a temporary world. Now, God has made another world that's going to be permanent and another one that's going to be permanent. And you are going to have to make a decision before you get off of this planet Earth about which one you want to live in forever and ever and ever. Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being of fire shall be dissolved, the elements shall melt with fervor and heat. Now, we say we believe the Bible, then we should believe the Bible. You see, this is God's love letter to his children. God wants us to know where we came from, what we're doing and where we're going. So we can make wise decisions while we're here. And some people, all they want to do is just live for this life and this life alone. They build their whole lives around either their job. They build it around their wife. You can build it around your kids. But everything that you can have in this world can pass away. My wife and I, we know we're getting up there and them past the 80 mark, which isn't so bad. It's better than not making it to 80. But one of these days we know one of us is not going to maybe be here. She says we're going to both go together. That's evidences of the rapture. I think. <laughs> but we got, a, we got a lot of things to learn. But one of these days we're going to be gone. So we can lose our loved ones. There's another world. This one is the one that we love to talk about and sing about. And all those things, wonderful things. You just sung a beautiful song just a moment ago. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? And asked all these questions. And the answer was, he is, he is. But this Jesus, God in the flesh, who came into this world, died on the cross to pay for our sins so that we could go to this new world that he's made. And so if that's the truth, then I want to go. And is he worthy? Yes, he is. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. In other words, in this new world, there is no sin. If there's no sin, there's no death. If there's no death, there's no separation, no pain, no agony, no grief, no sorrow, no crying. All tears have been wiped away because this new heaven is totally different. Because he says in Revelation 21, 27, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth the work of the abomination or maketh the life, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So you see, this new world is perfect. 
So when you and I are told that we need to be born again, everyone born into this world, we have a sinful nature. Sinful nature, we automatically sin and we die. But when you trusted Christ as your savior, he gave you a new birth, a spiritual birth, born of God. And if it's born of God, God has no sin nature. So our new birth in order to last forever and never sin again would have to be a new birth without a sinful nature. So whenever you believed on Christ and trusted him as your savior, you became a child of God, a child of God who has no sinful nature. If it has no sin for nature, your new birth cannot sin. If it cannot sin, it cannot die. If it cannot die, it lasts forever. And that's why whenever you trusted Christ as your Savior, that very moment, you were ready to go. Your whole body will die and stay here, but your new birth, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Because you see, you have to be perfect to get there. And trying to do your best is not going to cut it. You have to be born again. So therefore... We have here in the scripture, I'm mashing this little button up here and it refuses to change for me. But anyway, in Revelation 21, 20 says, and I saw a new heavens and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. Maybe because John was on the Isle of Patmos and he didn't want no more water. I don't know. But he says it's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. And because of that, he says, and I, John, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This holy city is 1,500 miles high, 1,500 miles wide and 1,500 miles long. One holy city over half the size of the United States. And he said, and I saw it coming down. Jesus had said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I believe that's where we're going to live because he says, and I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he showed me the new Jerusalem. I believe that's where we're going to be. The church, the bride of Christ, we're going to live in a mansion. Maybe it'd be just a cabin in the corner of glory land, but I'll take it. I'm used to squashing mud between my toes down in the flatwoods of Georgia, but I can't even imagine what it'd be like squashing gold dust between my toes, but I'll take it. Now, He says, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, crying, neither be there more pain. Former things are passed away. That's why we have so much to be thankful for. And so this world is going to end and there's going to be another one. And we'll have a choice. Thou shalt, he says, thou will show me the path of life in the presence is fullness of joy and thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. What he's talking about, this is descriptive in the book of Psalms in the 16th chapter where David wrote about Jesus dying and he will not suffer his soul in hell. But he's talking about the results of that. Is that we're going to be with the Lord? Fullness of joy, get this, pleasures forevermore. Now is that's something you like to have. So in this life, in order to help you make a wise decision, he'll let you be sprinkled throughout your life with a little pleasure. So you'll have pleasure, but not all pleasure. He's going to let you also be sprinkled with a little bad, the sorrow, the grief. So when he says, it won't be none of that there, you say, I, I know what that's like. Because there's another place that you'll get to choose. This is just to try to help you make a wise decision. He says, Precious in the sight of the Lord 
is the death of his saints. Because see, Christ died to get you there. So whenever he takes you there, that's a precious thing in the sight of the Lord. Now it hurts us because we're grieved because the ones we loved are taken away from us. But it's only temporary. And if heaven's just one long eternal day and there's no night there, we all gonna get there the same day. Maybe just moments apart without knowing it. Anyway, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And so I believe that's what he's done. And so he said, where I am, there you may be also. And he said, there'll be no more curse. And we will see the face of God. And then we will reign with the Lord forever. So this is what God has promised us in another world. But there's another world. And I need to clever this real close, real quickly. The world of darkness. And I say darkness because in the book of Jude, it says, and they will be as wandering stars in the midst of darkness forever. We often think of hell as a lot of light. Hey, look over there. There's Johnny. Hey, good to see you, buddy. Hey, there's, a, there's Paul Julian. Paul, what are you doing here? No, <clears throat> but you see all these things. There was no, no light there. So he says, truth is truth, even if nobody believes it. And a lie is a lie, even if everybody believes it. I believe the Bible is true. And if it talks about hell, I believe that I must tell people why they need a savior. You see, if, if there is no hell, then we don't need a savior. We can just go back to nothingness like we never existed. Because before I was born, I don't remember anything. You? So if God did away with me, I wouldn't know anything. So what's the big deal? But unless I live forever somewhere that I don't want to be, I want to be saved from that. Some people don't want to hear. They want to listen. He talks about in the book of Jude that the people from Sodom and Gomorrah suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. And that's over a thousand years later. It's been 2000 years then since then. And that's still in the Bible and it's still true. So that means that um, it's forever. It's a place where people are going to go because they rejected what Christ did on the cross for them. Blackness of darkness forever. I remember as a kid, I did not like the dark. I was scared of the boogeyman going to get me. Now you probably never heard of the boogeyman, but he lived in our house. He lived downstairs and he tried to get me every once in a while. Sometimes he was hiding underneath the bed, all kinds of things. At least a little noise. It was the boogeyman. I'm glad that you never experienced anything like that, but I don't care for the darkness. He said, and whosoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life, the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, Jesus is the one that says all this, that this is either true or it's not true. But if it is true, I don't want to go there. And if there's anything I want to get right out of my whole life, this thing about being saved and going to heaven, I want, I want to get this right. I don't want the possibility that I'm going to miss heaven or spend eternity in hell. God sent not his son into the world. Now get this, to condemn the world because the world's already condemned. But that the world through him, through Christ, might be saved. You see, if you're going to get saved, you got to be saved from something. From something to something. From hell to an inheritance that's in, un, in corruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. He says in John three eighteen, 
He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. You see, you're not waiting to be condemned. If you are a sinner, you say, how do I know if I am or not? Are you perfect? Well, no, you're a sinner. Nobody's perfect. We're all sinners. We're born into this world with a sin nature. We're not perfect. And so God says, he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son. It's not because of all those bad things you've done. It's because you didn't believe. You didn't believe that what he said. Now read this statement. Read it very carefully. The question is not why would a loving God send anyone to hell? Because I've had people ask me that all the time. Why would a loving God send people to hell? The question, why would anyone choose hell over a loving God? God has given to us the freedom to choose. We can choose. Why would you choose to go to hell when you can have eternal life and go to heaven? There's a loving God (coughs) who can solve all of our problems. And he's on the level that anybody can have it. He didn't ask us to stand on our head and spit wooden nickels. He just says, he that believeth, if you'll believe. Believe what? That he paid for your sins. Why did he pay for my sins? So that I don't have to go to hell and pay for sin. You see, I'm already condemned. I'm just waiting for the day of execution. And there is no hope except through Christ. And so when you trust Christ as your Savior, he gives you as a free gift everlasting life. King Agrippa says, believest thou the prophets? Or Paul said to him, he says in verse 28 of chapter 26 in Acts, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost persuaded. There's even a song that people say, almost persuaded. You know, one of my, I guess you could call it part of my ministry is trying to persuade people to trust the Lord trying to get them to see, to understand how important this is, that it's not a game. I didn't make this world. I didn't make me. You didn't make you, but we're here. And that's the facts. And you're going to die. And there's a heaven and there's a hell and you're going to one of them. You're on this earth temporarily to experience a little good and a little bad so you can make a wise decision. Which one would you rather have for all eternity? And anybody has got any sense ought to make the wisest decision. I'm going to trust Christ as my Savior. Maybe you don't like the way of doing it this way. Maybe you don't think God is right and he's not fair. None of that will matter. The reality is the Bible is true, like it or not. Believe it or not, it's still true. And your decision is forever. You have to make that decision before you leave planet Earth. And if you don't know when you're going to die, when do you think would be a good time to trust the Lord? Tomorrow? Next week? Next year? One put in the grave and the other on the banana peel? I believe right now would be a good time. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That's what a soul winner is. Someone who can persuade somebody that doesn't believe to believe, to put their trust in Christ. To care enough that you'll explain that to them. Hurt me with truth, 
but I don't want to comfort people with a lie. I don't want to say, well, hell's not real because that'd be a lie. It's not going to last forever. That'd be a lie. Well, it might make people feel better. Till when? Well, I don't want to offend anybody. When they die and go to hell and you knew the truth and you didn't tell them, you think they might be offended? I believe the Bible is true. And this one verse in closing. Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God. And remember this, it was not nails that held him to the cross, but his love for you and for me. And because of that, you have a choice. It's either heaven or hell. You can choose down the road or you can make the decision now. I'm so thankful that I made that decision and I know that I'm going to heaven when I die. You've probably never heard this verse before, but look at it real close. For God so loved the world, that's the world, all of us, gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever, anybody, believeth in him, believe that he paid for your sins, should not, number one, perish, means can't go to hell. Two, have everlasting life, go to heaven. See, those two worlds are right there in this verse. Jesus came into this world so that you would have wisdom to make a choice about the next world. Do you want to go to heaven, fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore? No more sin, sorrow, sickness, and death. Or do you want to go to a literal fire-burning hell forever and ever and ever, separated from God and everything and everyone that you've ever known or loved? I pray that you'll be wise and trust Christ as your Savior. Look up here. This hand represents you and me, and this wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. Now, God, he loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he does love us. And the Bible says that since we all sinned, we're all condemned to a literal fire burning. We're already condemned. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. But to go to heaven, you've got to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. Because if God let us go the way we are right now, we'd, we'd do up in heaven what we did down here. We'd ruin it. So God says you have to have a new birth. A new birth without a sinful nature. And that's the only way you can get in. So Jesus says, as many as received him, to them gave he the power, the authority to become the sons of God. You become a child of God when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you believe this, Jesus Christ came into the world because he loved us. He hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. He took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And all he wanted you to do was believe he did it for you. If that's all he asked you to do, can you handle that? Can you handle that much? He didn't ask you to do anything else. He just wants you to believe he did it for you, that he loved you that much, that he paid for your sin because he didn't want you to have to pay for them. And God so loved the world, that's everybody in here, that whosoever anybody who will believe it, 